Symantec has identified a new cyber attack group dubbed Orange Worm that is targeting the healthcare sector in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. So what should healthcare sector entities know and do about this latest threat? I'm Marianne kolbisak begee Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with John DiMaggio, Senior Threat Intelligence Analyst for Symantec Security Response, who will be talking to us about Orange Worm. So, John, what can you tell us about Orange Worm? Who's behind the group, and how long has this been going on? So this was actually a fairly interesting investigation for us. We first got wind of this or identified the malware that's involved with this in 2016. One of the first things that we did once we identified it is we wanted to answer the question, is this activity that's just starting? Because this is just when we just when we identify something doesn't mean that it hasn't been going on prior to that. So we did sort of a rear view mirror look. And what we found was, based on our telemetry and data, that there had been an active campaign going on since January of 2015. So we sort of began to dive into that, go through all of the historical data that we had, along with the recent active data that we have, and look at sort of not just what the malware did, but who it was targeting, what machines or, or systems were being most targeted by the attacker, meaning you know, they could target 100 machines, but only 10 of those might have really been of interest. And so we'd look at how much time they spent, what tools they used to try to identify what the motive could be. One of the things that we found is this was a much bigger picture than just saying, okay, this is the healthcare uh, industry that's being targeted. If we were to just look at one of the attacks at one of these organizations, the water would be a little bit muddy and it may not be clear. So sort of to put this whole picture together, we looked at all of the victims and what we saw was this was attacks that affected pharmaceutical, MRI, and x-ray devices, even down to you know the software and systems that, that create labels on prescriptions. So my point in, in giving you all these, these details on these very minute targets that may not necessarily draw you in to say, oh, that's really interesting. Well, the interesting part is when you look at it all together, this is an adversary who sort of targeted the healthcare supply chain to sort of move closer to the real targets that they wanted. So again, it really took kind of seeing that global picture of all the attacks and all the victims to connect all those dots to have a, a very clear picture of what this attacker w- was looking at and what was motivating them to do this campaign. What does the group seem to be motivated by, and are they exfiltrating data? What sorts of systems are they targeting specifically, and what sort of data are they impacting? What we see, so as I mentioned before, that the scenario, let's say initially we, the malwares, they infect uh, 100 systems. Well, what they do is they collect information on the systems, and then they pick the systems that are relevant to them, which I would call more of the high-value target, those systems that they are interested in. And what they'll do then is they'll traverse and spend more time on those systems. So those systems that I call high-value targets definitely are some of those the MRI and X-ray-based devices, as well as some of the file share servers and things of that nature that are holding data associated with those devices. This is not an advanced attack from the aspect of an attacker who's concerned about being identified. The way that they went about these attacks was very noisy. They clearly were not concerned about being identified on the network. When I say that, they're doing all this by traversing shared network or enclaves that have shared trusts with with the infected system. So in essence, shared 
drives and other systems that have an open relationship with the infected device, all of, of the data is going back and forth is very visible to defenders when they do that, as opposed to, say, taking over an account from an administrator and logging in with a VPN and where it's very difficult to see and it blends in with the rest of your legitimate traffic. This did not. So to get back to answering your question, what they did once they were on these systems of interest is they would sort of catalog and view the files on those systems, the drives attached to those systems, and the network devices that shared a trust with those devices. And they were spending a large amount of time on a lot of the technology-based devices. So, you know, one theory that we have is they're doing this because they want to understand how these systems work. They want to learn the system. They want to learn the software. Now, as far as what they're actually exfiltrating, that, so that's going to be different from organization to organization, but one of the things that was pretty clear is they're not stealing, like we, we've seen past incidents with organizations that are they're trying to steal patient information like PII so that they can use it for financial gain by exploiting that information. Well, we weren't seeing that in this. It definitely appears to be more of a corporate espionage type of motivated attack. Again, there's a lot of victims, so it's, without getting into too many of the weeds of those details, we sort of ruled out financial gain. We looked at it from a nation-state perspective because we had seen some nation-state attackers interested in healthcare uh, over the past three or four years. It didn't appear to fit, fit that either, but it did appear to absolutely fit from a corporate espionage and IP collection type of operation. So a corporate espionage sort of thing, intellectual property, is it to perhaps spy yeah. on how various devices work or how organizations that have these devices yeah. are using the devices? So looking at all the evidence, an analytical theory based on the evidence that we did see would be that, yes, they want to, whether it be to understand how the, the software works, whether or not they want to implement you know, their own version to sell on the black market or to use at a different company or whatever that might be. They're, clearly, they, the gain for the attacker is to understand how it works and to be able to see how that software interacts on a network. So really, when you look at that, the, the primary reason someone would want that would be either to mimic or develop another version of that software or pirate that version software or two to gain information for some other secondary objective that we haven't seen yet. But those are sort of the, the primary things that we can kind of make an assumption on is we're not looking here at guys trying to take information for financial gain. So clearly it's to understand what's happening on the device, how it works, and how it interacts on, an, on these healthcare-related networks. And when it comes to the kinds of entities within the healthcare sector that are being targeted, I know it's in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, but what kinds of organizations? Are they healthcare provider organizations? Are they manufacturers of healthcare products? Sure. What sorts of companies? I'm going to give you some examples, but the short answer is a little bit of all the things that you just said. So what we saw was quite a number of, of organizations to include you know, organizations that collect metrics and information on medical devices, pharmaceutical organizations that develop technologies and medications that are used in healthcare organizations, and then much more minute targets, such as, like I said uh, earlier example I gave, organizations that create technology to print labels on prescription bottles, and then as well as where we're seeing, like I said, the x-ray and MRI technology. So all of that, when you start, if you kind of lay that out, you could almost build a picture where you could say, okay, well, why would somebody want to target 
an organization that makes software to print labels on a prescription. Well, it, we're going back to that supply chain theory. You start it. You can start at some of the lower level targets that are what you might consider to be easier to access, maybe have lesser security posture than some of the larger organizations, and compromise them to sort of access the actual primary targets. So that's why I said before, if you just looked at one element of this attack, it could be very deceiving. It really took looking at all of these targets to build that big picture. But it's sort of a medical healthcare supply chain attack vector over a long period of time where they've gone from one organization to another from very minute all the way to what you'd consider a very relevant and, and scary target where we start talking about x-ray and MRI machine. One big takeaway though from all of this is these guys did not do anything detrimental or destructive to any of these devices. They could have, though. The malware on there gave them control of these systems and access to these systems. They could have. So I think really the takeaway from it is it's kind of a wake-up call, I feel like, for the industry. We've really got to start drawing a line where we don't just look at ease of use when we're developing these technologies and software. I get that from a customer perspective, being a healthcare organization, uh, I'm going to want software that's very easy to use and communicate with other devices on my network. But I think there needs to be sort of a, a more of a security aspect to where you weigh both sides to that or things like this. These attacks that we talked about today are going to continue. And John, what should healthcare sector entities know about this malware and what should they be doing about it right now? So this malware is actually very easy to deter and prevent. Obviously, there's all sorts of high-tech security solutions, but fortunately with this malware, it actually could be prevented with a much more minimal standpoint. Simply using even basic routers, firewalls, carving out the, the networks to have secure enclaves where there's some sort of an authentication mechanism or something in place that it's not just an open transfer of data from a device to, say, a file server that that has more sensitive information stored on it. Having a, a boundary segmenting that activity or that network data from communicating with one another, that alone would prevent this malware from being effective. The second thing would be patching. You can have new updated software in the medical industry that is, is running on legacy systems. That doesn't mean that the medical software or the healthcare software is legacy. It might be current, new, relevant software. It's just the mechanism that drives it and provides it is legacy. So ensuring that you have patching, these devices are probably hard to patch and access, but ensuring that you have a way if you're going to run these legacy operating systems to control the, your software on these, these devices, you really have to ensure that you have patching. And again, both the patching and the securing the network enclaves and segmenting the network are things that have a low cost compared to other solutions that can be done rather quickly. Now that's for this malware. Luckily, the things are are fairly easy to implement from compared to, say, buying you know a million dollars worth of appliances and systems to fix, like many other threats would require. And John, in terms of the malware, how is this malware being launched? Is this something that entities are getting exposed to through phishing attacks, or how is this happening? So we haven't put our finger on that 100%. We definitely looked at it. And the best that I can say with that is by what we've seen, it's very likely that one of the primary attack vectors is spear phishing emails. Again, we haven't found this as a smoking gun with this, but it's very likely that that's one of the, the primary infections were via spear phishing. Where we really started to see this activity, though, was sort of 
that post-infection where we were seeing the malware actually, the quampers, Trojan Duck quampers malware actually on the systems. And there's just there's such a large amount of victims over this three-year period. It's, it's been difficult to confine one element of this is how they're getting on the system. My guess is there's more than one mechanism in which they're doing it. But I do believe that spear phishing is highly likely to have been one of the ways that they did infect these, some of these, these victim networks. John, should other sectors also be paying attention to this? Is this something you're seeing in other sectors besides the healthcare sector? Absolutely. Other sectors should take attention to this. However, you know, the healthcare community, just based off of the, the nature of the beast that a lot of the medical devices are designed to run off some of these legacy operating systems. It's not that they have a weaker security posture, but it, it get, they have more that they have to worry about, more than they have to work with. So they have more vulnerabilities to deal with, say, than like a banking or financial industry would. So having said that, some of the basic lessons learned from this, like I said earlier, the best of practices, securing networks, segmenting data, doing patching. I, I know that that sounds very rudimentary, but it's not just healthcare where we're seeing you know, this issue. When you get into any large-scale environment, patching systems is a, becomes a much more difficult thing. Segmenting your network, again, it's sort of a, a discipline of the security environment and security posture, and every organization has a different culture with this. Unfortunately, bad guys don't care about that, and that's why it's so vital that we start to really you know, put security at the front and not just ease of use for, for all of these devices. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, when these devices are connected to, to the public Internet, which a large amount of, of the devices, for whatever reason, do have access to the Internet, again, for ease of use, the problem with that is, again, if those systems aren't patched or if they have weak passwords or anything like that, that leaves them very vulnerable. So the good thing about all this is all these things that I'm saying compared to a lot of other threats we see can be mitigated at a much lower cost and ease of, of use methodology. It's, it's just getting a grasp on it and getting decision makers to understand that and to start implementing this and to sort of change that culture to not just look at ease of use, but to really look at putting some security me mechanisms, even if it makes life a little more difficult. It's not as difficult as when you have a large-scale compromise that ends up in the news at your organization. And John, one last thing. You mentioned that it's probably corporate espionage. You're not sure. Is there any threat to patient safety with any of these sorts of attacks that you're seeing that involve medical device equipment? With this attack, there is not. But that's kind of the point I was trying to drive home before is the malware allows the capability. So they're able to get on these systems fairly easily, and the malware they have on these systems allows the capability to have full control of them. While doing anything detrimentary to the system or any sort of sabotage to the system clearly wasn't the objective or motivation of this attacker, there's nothing to say that tomorrow it could be an attacker that does the same thing, except they do want to damage these devices. I'm not an expert in the medical technology field to say that it could hurt a human being, but what I am saying is it could certainly damage those systems and cause outages and, and a lot worse. I think it would take folks more up to speed on what those specific devices do and how it interacts with a human being to answer that. But what I can say is they have full control, meaning they could they can introduce additional modules, they could destroy hard drives, they could destroy data, they could destroy the system, they could alter things with the system. I mean, there's anything that, that the owner of the system could do, they can do. So that's why it's such a scary tale here, and it's not something we're saying just to try and, and scare folks. It's because this is corporate espionage, which is bad. The next one, though, could be much worse. 
Thanks, John. I've been speaking to John DiMaggio. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.